to Voices of the Belt and Road podcast, brought to you by the Belt and Road Advisory, your professional advisors on all matters concerning the Belt and Road Initiative. Voices of the Belt and Road is our flagship podcast, and with each episode, we'll hear the personal stories of people who are part of the Belt and Road Initiative. The aim of this podcast is to demystify the initiative by interviewing a broad array of people whose lives are impacted day in and day out by the world's largest cross-border trade initiative and infrastructure build-up. On this podcast, in addition to university researchers, think tank experts, and policymakers, you can also hear from business people, workers, and countless others involved in the Belt and Road. You'll hear people tell their own personal stories in their own languages, because at the end of the day, the Belt and Road Initiative is changing people's lives, and we want you to hear it from them. Please enjoy this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in. to the latest episode of the Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. I'm your host, Max Roma, and today we'll talk about the Belt and Road in the Horn of Africa. And what I'm particularly excited about today is our guest, Harriet Kariuki. She's from Kenya, so that gives all of you out there listening the chance to learn and understand the region by listening to someone who's actually living and working in it. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to share my insights on, on Chinese investment through the um, Belt and Road Initiative in Africa. Great. So, um, Harriet, just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your interest in China. Okay, I am currently an analyst at um, a consulting firm here in Kenya. Um, we current, I'm also very deeply engaged in China-African investment because that's part of our portfolio in our company. And um, my interest in China all started in college when I was studying um, political science in Harvard. And I realized that I was really vested in Africa and to have a better understanding of Africa at that particular moment in time, it was important for me to understand invest. Uh, Africa from the investment point of view. And one of the major investments that was happening in the region was investment from China. Um, this made me um, become super interested in investment and in the investment landscape um, from East Asia because there's a huge inv- um, there's a lot of investment coming from not only China but in, from Japan and a little bit of Korea. Um, that's how I ended up in Korea where I started Korean uh, for a couple of years and then I went to Japan where I also studied Japanese and I finally I was in China for my master's program where in Peking University where I was doing a master's in economics. So it was a bit more interest in investment in the continent and um, all that interest has has come from the part that I'm really invested in just understanding Africa's leapfrogging ability and better understanding innovation and, um, it's very important to understand China's involvement in the continent. So let's talk more about Chinese involvement in Africa. A number of African countries are now part of the 21st century maritime Silk Road so could you tell me what exactly is the effect of that for trade hubs and port cities in your region? Um, currently live in East Africa, which is uh, has been a big part of the Belt and Road Initiative, um, where we have seen a lot of infrastructure development in Kenya, infrastructure development in Tanzania, as well as um, a little bit of investment in Egypt and a lot in Djibouti. But over time, um, given Xi Jinping's visit to Africa last, last week, we've seen that um, President Xi is expanding uh, the Belt and Road, not to just East Africa, but to West Africa, where we have uh, West Africa has seen a lot of investment from France, who, who is the um, their, their colonizer. It's a colony, it's a past colony of France. And now China is um, is bringing in a little bit of competition to, uh, to France. So we're saying Senegal, for example, was um, uh, last week was put, was uh, was added to the list of the Belt and Road Initiative in the, in the continent. And this tells you so much about the Belt and Road Initiative. It, it's not just for East Africa, as we saw back in the um, in the previous couple of years, but it's expanding throughout the continent. The question that you asked about the effect of this is that um, the, 
sewage and suffers from infrastructure fragmentation when we think that one of the main one um is extremely costly to do shipping or distribution of goods um to markets all over Africa. Um this is a report that was done by BCT that said that doing um the cost of shipping and distribution of goods marketing in Africa is equivalent to almost twenty percent of the of the value compared to two hundred percent in South America and under forty percent in East in East Asia and North America. This is mainly because um there's no connection whatsoever between in in, in terms of like intra Africa. And what we're seeing with China is that China is coming in and doing a lot of infrastructure development that is connecting roads from West Africa to East Africa, connecting um we're seeing a lot of interesting ports being done, um being constructed in Djibouti to increase the number of ports and involvement in terms of like bringing Africa together and you know working on this um making it easier for not only China to continue doing its investment in the region but also for intra African trade where there's proper um infrastructure development. So that's something that is very interesting to see what's gonna happen in the next couple of years once most of these major projects are completed. And part of that are the forty export processing zones currently existing in Kenya that are aimed at facilitating export oriented investments. How are Chinese manufacturers engaging with these zones? Um one of the most interesting part about this Belt and Road initiative and its effect beyond infrastructure development is that we're seeing a lot of Chinese companies uh, the Chinese government is pushing a lot of Chinese companies to move towards the to Africa so that they can expand their chain capacity. So what's happening with the EPZ they're called the EPZ they are uh, they are zone specified by the government with a lot of interesting um with a lot of incentives such as um trade um tax holidays or um lower power rates so that they can incentivize companies that foreign companies to come into the into the country and produce goods or export. So what we are saying why this is important in, in Africa is because um once we see a lot of Chinese companies coming in in different industries we're seeing Chinese companies coming in the textiles and apparel industries where they're manufacturing um apparel for export. We're seeing some Chinese companies coming in the pharmaceutical industry. We're seeing different it's not just construction as as we perceive in terms of like um the investment that is that is China is bringing into the region but we're seeing Chinese companies coming in and helping these countries to push for their manufacturing. A lot of countries want to become industrial uh, to industrialize faster through manufacturing and this is what is being achieved with the EPZs and Chinese involvement in different industries and this is extremely crucial for these countries to diversify the economies beyond agriculture into manufacturing. So um so as I mentioned in, in um as as I mentioned we're seeing Chinese manufacturers engaging in textiles and apparel for example in Rwanda where they're um they're using um they're they're going into Rwanda and producing um garments or apparel that they bought into the UK and other different countries. Uh we're seeing companies um in, in South Africa for example that are producing steel that is being used for export as well. So in Ethiopia as well you're seeing a lot of companies coming in and helping diversify the economy which is very crucial for this these specific countries in the region. Wow that sounds like there's a lot of things happening right now. And let's go back to you mentioning President Xi who recently visited Africa to cement ties to China which also meant uh, more investments and more loans. Djibouti and China now have a large free trade zone but it also means more debt and this is what often um, western media outlets are more concerned about this sort of debt build up. Kenya owes 70% of its external debt to China. What is your view on the regional debt build up? Um yeah, um it's very important to understand that um, most of this infrastructure and investment coming into the region are not free money. China is um is not only investing a huge sum of money from Exim Bank, for example, which is one of the biggest lending um institution in China. Um so we're seeing countries, we're seeing um a lot of countries, um a lot of developing countries are uh, have a parcel rate of increase in terms of like debt share um of GDP. 
DRDB and they're reaching this thing, um, they're reaching in several countries, like as you mentioned, Djibouti and Kenya. And there's a lot of critics both internationally and locally who are very worried about this accumulating debt and they're considering it very unsustainable. But um, one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves and most of the governments I think are also asking themselves is should African countries forego cheap loans for infrastructure development in favor of industry? Most of these countries we're seeing um, have extremely poor infrastructure. Uh, you're seeing countries where they don't have railways, they don't have roads, they don't have um, for example. And what's happening is that most of these countries are either um, uh, either countries that are faced with civil war or they're, um, they have all these different um, political instability that does not encourage investment from other different countries. But China is coming in and risking it all, risking it all for, for several reasons and coming in and constructing infrastructure and giving cheap loans to these countries. So what is important to understand here is that infrastructure is very important to achieve economic development in any country that you can think of. And most of these countries would never have received any type of investment from other different countries that we see in the West or um, in any, even in, in East Asia, for example. But China is coming in, helping with infrastructure. And these countries are it's, it's not cheap. It's not, again, it's not free money. It's a loan that you're given that is supposed to be expired. I guess this is very detrimental when you think about sovereignty issues where you're seeing um, countries such as um, I think Sri Lanka that lost its um, port, um, rented out its port to a Chinese company once they failed to pay off its loans. But the point is that uh, what we should be want, what we should be concerned about is not raising Chinese, raising Chinese debt in the region, but we should be concerned about African governments and their ability to capture a return of investment in Chinese finance projects. How can African governments be, be able to you know to channel these different projects and have a return on investment? That is one of the things that we should be thinking about and coming up with solutions for. Yes, and one way to get the return on investments is through innovation, right? And that is something that's interesting because startups in the region are booming, not only in Kenya, but also, for example, in Ethiopia. You know, because uh, you were also active in the startup scene for a while. Could you describe to us a little bit how you see the strengths and opportunities of the startup industry and how does China play into it? Um, startups are very crucial in the continent because in a place where infrastructure is extremely weak and um, the institutions as well are extremely weak, the private sector comes in and comes up with innovative solutions to African problems. So we're seeing, um, as we all know, we're seeing a common example is M-Pesa that is um, solving financial, the lack of financial inclusion in the region and coming up with an innovative mobile money solution. So um, in this particular space, uh, we're seeing different companies come up. We're seeing blockchain and world technology, uh, which is solving problems such as um, the lack of identity or um, problems such as inform- the lack of transparency in institutions. How China is coming in into this particular landscape is that we are one of the most important part in terms of infrastructure building um, when it comes to start- startups and innovation is internet connectivity. And Huawei, which is a Chinese company, has um, a lot of has has been involved in a lot of countries in, in the continent. And one of the most important one of the most important projects that it's working on right now is uh, it's part- it's partnering with Safaricom to build infrastructure for um or uh, for internet connectivity, which is um, we're seeing a lot of like fiber construction happening um to ensure to facilitate to ensure that the country is you know that it's connected with four in 4G internet as opposed to 2G or 3G internet that is not helpful in terms of innovation. So um, that is one of the examples. Another example that's happening in the region right now is that we're seeing um, several smartphone companies from China which are coming in to the continent and with extremely cheap smartphones. And that means that a lot of um, African countries and African citizens have access to smartphones and therefore have access to um, all these different things that come with internet connectivity such as e-commerce platforms or um, any innovative uh, startup applications 
continent. So in terms of Chinese involvement in, in the continent's infrastructure and startups is that um, it's bringing in the very much required infrastructure that is internet in different ways. As I mentioned, either um, working hand in hand with African companies to ensure infrastructure development of internet or providing smartphones which are extremely cheap. That's that everyone has access to a smartphone and therefore have access to services that come along with that. And as more Chinese companies are moving over, there's also a lot more cultural exchange. So I'm wondering how, in your words, can we imagine this exchange taking place? How are Chinese companies and workers integrating with their African counterparts? Um, one of the most interesting things about about um, the situation right now when it comes to China and Africa is that the, um, over the past few years, we've seen uh, an increase an increase in, um, in, China, in African students studying in China, whether it's MBA programs or um, undergraduate, as opposed to before we saw a lot of influx of, um, of, of African students into the US or the UK, but now we've seen a shift into that, in that where we're seeing a lot of African students going to China. On the other hand, we're seeing a lot of Chinese tourists who are coming to Africa. We're seeing, um, we're seeing a lot of um, airlines that are connecting um, Chinese, Chinese cities like Guangzhou and Beijing with African cities like Nairobi and Ethiopia and, um, and, uh, and cities in Ethiopia as well. So tourism is helping bring Chinese people into the continent and education is pushing a lot of African students to China. And in terms of cultural exchanges, um, with China coming into the continent, we're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of Chinatown, you know, in different cities all over the continent. Right now, we have an interesting Chinatown that is um, that is burgeoning up in in Nairobi right now. Um, but we're seeing a lot of interesting events that are being carried out by the Chinese embassy. The Chinese embassies in different parts of the of the region are pushing for this different integration, whether it's language exchange, whether it's um, Chinese New Year holidays, and like all these different holidays, and encouraging a lot of Africans to join and um, exchange languages. We're seeing a lot of some Chinese people learning African languages, like Swahili, for example. So cultural exchange and integration is not at 100% right now, but we're seeing a lot of a lot of institutions, we're seeing a lot of um, people taking a step in learning each other's culture, and that is a step in the right direction. Thanks for these last points. Uh, and Harry, thanks for being with us today to discuss a number of topics. It is difficult for most to imagine how fast your region is changing and growing, and hopefully we were able to give some insights on how that is happening in the context of China and the Belt and Road. So again, thank you very much for being on. Thank you very much, Max, for having me. It was, it's just interesting to know to know that China is here to stay and Africans need to, you know, also take things into an initiative to, to get, um, you know, to have a chance to push for their own agenda as well, right? And I think that's the move in the right direction that's happening right now. That's this week's Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. If you want to learn more about the Belt and Road Initiative, check out our website at beltandroad.ventures. That's Belt and Road, one word, no spaces, and .ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. On the website, you can subscribe to our weekly Belt and Road Bulletin and also follow our Belt and Road Advisory social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That way, you'll always be up to date on what is happening on the Belt and Road. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week. <laughs>